When you're following Jesus, your physical location in life may change, but that doesn't change your purpose. No matter where you are, you find a way to be a part of what God is doing and surrender to letting God use you right where you are. Intentional gospel community. It's beautiful when it's done well, and today's guests, well, they do it well. Hear their story on this Action in Ministry. Inspiring you to be the hands. Empowering you to be the feet. Strengthening you to be the heart of Christ for others. Action. Action. Action in ministry. Hi, I'm Rachel Legute, and this is Action in Ministry. Every day at noon, you can find our guests live on Facebook, sharing scripture and a devotional thought. When the world was set home during the coronavirus pandemic, people went to their phones and other devices to connect. It presented an incredible opportunity to reach the world online. Seth and Emily Gierke were already leaning into their community and saw an opportunity to reach people with God's word through social media. But they're not just reaching out on social media. They're incredibly intentional at being social, being part of their community, welcoming in their neighbors, and inviting them to meet and worship Jesus. Seth, Emily, it's so great to have you guys here with us today. It is awesome. Excited (laughs) to be here. Well, (laughs) I am so excited for people to hear your story today. I have been watching you guys for years, and it's a pleasure of mine to be your friend and to be a part of that circle. But let's start by talking a little bit about, about you guys and your family. Tell us, Seth, how did you guys meet and... Emily, then maybe you can share with us a little bit about what your family looks like today. Well, Emily and Rachel, you and I were all freshmen at Concordia St. Paul College University yeah. at the same the freshman year together. So Emily and I got to know each other and we had a lot of mutual friends. We even had a class together. And thankfully we didn't date because I would have messed it up when I was that young. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, Emily went back to Concordia Austin. I should say she's from Austin. So she went to Concordia Austin to finish up. And years later, we were both teaching in Lutheran schools and at Lutheran LEA conference in Indianapolis in 2005, we ran into each other. I was so there. In fact, I remember the night that Seth sat down and told me about reconnecting with you. Oh, I'm sure I called Rachel and told her about it, too. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, two days later, I called her, and we pretty much talked every day since. That's kind of how that happened. Such a phenomenal story. Yeah, exactly. And, like, Emily, it's, it's blossomed into this, like, incredibly, like, magnificent thing, your family. Tell us about what your family looks like today. Um, well, we have two boys, Will and Gus, and they are nine and six. We homeschool, so we spend a lot of time together, and that's really fun. Family life is good. Well, that is lovely to hear. You guys are also, not only are you really tight and close as a family unit, but you've been involved in ministry in a lot of different ways throughout the years, whether it's formally through a church or a school um, or in things that you're doing through your family. So, Seth, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of those connections and ties to ministry? Well, formally, I have served in full-time ministry in Minnesota, California, and Texas in positions in churches and private schools, teaching music, leading small groups, and leading worship on Sunday mornings. And so that's kind of formally, informally in life. Emily and I have just really leaned into 
neighboring uh, in ministry, connecting with neighbors, being being available. So I guess that thankfully that's really crossed between the job at church and the life together. And that's really blended well many, many times throughout the years. But right now I'm leading worship and overseeing adult communities at our church here in Texas. Emily, you are somebody who has a huge heart for people and encouraging them and um, loving them and sometimes loving them through incredibly difficult times. What is it that fuels that desire to love your neighbor for you? I just love getting to know people. I really like hearing people's stories. I really find people fascinating and just knowing that the Lord calls me to do that too is is like a huge responsibility in a good way. I know it's something that I need to do, but it's also something that I want to do. And I, I just like knowing people. I really like knowing people. Mm-hmm. Well, when you guys moved to Texas, you found yourselves in a different type of living situation than you had been in previously. What did it look like to go from um, living in a house of your own to moving into a more community-based environment like an apartment? Holy cow. I <laughs> a mean, little different. <laughs> I, I mean... In a way, it was kind of like a dorm again, you know, <laughs> like in like college. college. Yeah. <laughs> kind of felt like college and it was in a cool way, but we kind of got into this whole minimalism thing in California uh-huh. and we ended up selling like 40% of the stuff we owned when we moved to Texas, mm. and which made it a little, that transition a little easier too. Yeah. Moving from a 1600 square foot house to an 800 square foot apartment with a dog and two boys. And... <laughs> Um, one stall of a garage. Uh, So that was a little crazy. It was kind of weird at first because your neighbors are right there, like in a dorm room, uh, in a dorm. I mean, they're right in the hall. They're right in the breezeway. You're walking by them all the time. You can't get away in in one sense. So Emily and I, it was in that call to connect with people, that call to know people like Emily's talking about was right in your face all the time. It's like Jesus was saying, they're right here, right (laughs) here. You know what I mean? You couldn't just close the garage door like you can in a suburb. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting that you say that. I think that maybe not everyone who lives in an apartment-based community is looking at at like a, this is like a dorm life type thing. Like here are all these people (laughs) that we can be living life with. You know, that's an attitude and and a certain lens through which you're looking at your living situation. And you guys made some pretty intentional moves to get to know the people in your community. Emily, what did that look like in those early days? We kind of joined up with this community called Love and War Worship in Kansas City. It's a community, a learning community that basically speaks a lot to worship leaders and their families, like basically taking worship and leading worship, but bringing it out into the community in much more tangible discipleship type ways. And the Lord did some really big things for us. But um, in that process, at the very beginning, um, we were always challenged to do something. We had these, what they called start stops or stop starts, depending on how you want to say it, but something that you're going to stop doing and something that you're going to start doing in its place. Um, And also like must wins, kind of like a goal, something that you must, that you feel in your soul that you must do, that the Lord is leading you to do. And kind of in that process of us 
of Seth and I talking through that, we decided we wanted to, well, I felt the Lord leading us. I'm not sure how much we wanted to, but the Lord was leading us to lead worship in the breezeway of our apartment, which is, sounds really scary uh-huh. to me. It's like, why would I just randomly start playing songs in the breezeway of my apartment building? Like that just feels really awkward. Well, this is a really interesting point to make, right? Like that, I mean, some people are very outgoing and might feel a little less intimidated by something that is intimidating of this nature. Right. And, and others are not quite as outgoing and are more, um, a, a little bit more quiet or introverted and not likely to go knock on their neighbor's doors and say, you want to come worship with me? Um, yeah. <laughs> you guys might be a mixture of, of a few of those things between the two of you. Yeah, I think we both kind of have some extroverted tendencies where we just definitely feel energized by being with people. But at the same time, I don't know, there's there's a certain amount of like just jumping into a relationship with someone you don't know that both of us are a little bit like, oh, that feels weird to just ask a random person. But we kind of had started building a relationship with our neighbors. We decided before the worship idea, we decided to bring a set of disposable uh, dishes. So like paper plates, uh, knives, forks, spoons, napkins, and cups. I think like a set of eight in a paper, in a plastic bag. And we just said, hey, we're your neighbors, the Gierkes in in, uh, apartment 103. And we just wanted to say hi and do your dishes for a night. And, um, (laughs) And we... We, we decided on that instead of like a plate of cookies or something like that, because we have dietary restrictions and things are yeah. crazy these days and you never know. And we don't want people to be scared to eat something we made, <laughs> you know, but, but they, it was really interesting. And we got to meet a lot of neighbors through that. And this one girl answered the door and she, she's like a high schooler and she's like, Oh my gosh, you just saved me from having to do the dishes tonight. You're the best neighbors ever, you know, and it was just fun. And so we had kind of introduced ourselves to a lot of people already. And so it didn't feel like a complete, like, here's my first rubbing shoulders with you. Come worship with me, which I think helped a little bit, but it did still, it was still kind of a scary thing. Like it just, Mm -hmm. that was our first, our first like big step out into our apartment complex was Tuesday worship night. Did people have a pretty positive response to that? Were people showing up when you sat in the in the breezeway and started playing guitars? Seth? No, you know what's crazy is I just wanted to say something about I was gonna get to this eventually, but it makes sense now that people of peace. When Jesus sends out the 72, he says to speak peace over a home. And if the peace returns to you, shake off the dust and move on to the next one. But if the peace remains, stay there, make it your home base, you know, and those are the people who want to feed you and care for you and be in ministry with you. And so people of peace has been a huge thing that Emily, I've been praying for. And across the hall, like literally feet from our door, another couple moved in with a young boy about Gus's age. And he had his dad had planned church years ago he's he was a drummer and knew jesus as well and he was the one that within a few months this is four months before tuesday worship night started we were walking our dogs in the back and letting them play and he goes you know we need to do we need to do music ministry together seth (laughs) and and i'm like sure crazy guy i'm like i don't even know you you know god used a person of peace 
who be, ended up becoming a very good friend, joined our church, joined our worship team mm-hmm. eventually. We're now his kids' godparents. Yeah. We're, yeah. And, and so use this random neighbor to blossom this idea. And so Josh, I'm sure he doesn't mind me using his name. He'd be <laughs> excited. He said, when we told him about this idea, he goes, we're in. And so automatically this core team of another family that's, that was pretty much there every week. And so when other people saw it, it wasn't this random family, two families in the apartment doing this together. So I think that, that God did something through that with the other people in the building to see this isn't just one weird family. There's something happening in our building. And that got, I truly believe that was part of God's plan in bringing in, sometimes we'd have 20 people mm-hmm. out there and sometimes it was just four. Yeah. So. I love that it speaks to the authenticity of what you're doing in that moment, that it's not as if you're calling people to necessarily, I mean, you are wanting people to come join you, but the action is that you're there worshiping and there's that invitation for people to come and join you in that, but that you are, you're worshiping first. And I don't know, Emily, what do you think about engaging others when you're trying to engage others in this type of relational ministry? What do you, how do you prepare for that? How do you prepare your heart for it, your mind for it, um, and get ready to engage people who you're inviting into spaces like this? Yeah, I I wish I could say there's a magic formula for that, but it's not cut and dry. And the Holy Spirit is is so unexpected. We just don't know how he's going to move. And so for me, this has been a long process. I'm not sure how much I really did this at the very beginning, but the Lord's been working on me. I really like the, the physical posture and like mental posture of opening my hands. Mm -hmm. And I think I do it more in my mind than I do it physically because I'm a Lutheran and I'm working on it. But, um, but I physically, I want to physically open my hands and, and, and that, that posture of God, what, what do you have for me to receive today? How can I open my heart to these people and Holy Spirit, bring the people of peace that you want to be here today. And then after that, it's obedience. It's pure obedience because there were times when we would sit in the breezeway and it was literally just the four of us, Mm -hmm. Seth, Will, Gus, and me. Mm. And I remember one time in particular, nobody else showed up and we were worshiping to great are you Lord and talks about breathing and hearts. And so a friend of ours was going through a really, really tough pregnancy and her son, they had found out that he had a, a genetic disorder Um, The four of us were worshiping and I got a text from my friend just calling out for prayer. And the four of us ended up um, interceding and praying for my friend and crying over that song and calling out to the Lord for healing for her son. Even though that particular day was not about neighbors, it was about a neighbor across the country in California. And we were praying over her and it ended up that our son didn't have a heart issue. And just a lot, or at least not as serious of a heart issue. Anyway, it just ended up like the Lord is always faithful. He is always moving. We can't focus on numbers. 
we're focusing on individual lives here. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it was all the neighbors send the kids down to Seth and Emily to play (laughs) instruments and there's no other adults and it's Seth and me and all the kids. And we are just worshiping and praising God. We have these little preschool instruments and we're shakers and like wood blocks and kids are just having a blast and singing their hearts out with drums and stuff. And then sometimes it was like all the adults and people who don't have church homes are in different spots of their relationship with the Lord to pretty much nothing to being all in and they're praying for each other. Mm -hmm. We're going around the circle and you know, Hey, will you pray for that person? Yeah, I'll pray for that person. Okay. What about you? What do you want to pray for? I want, I need this. And will you pray for that person? And it was just, just incredible and miraculous. But Seth and I would always say that every single time we were obedient and, and we showed up, the Lord did something. Yeah. And it, sometimes it was a tiny, tiny thing, but it was always something, some, mm. some way that the Lord was moving either in our hearts or that we saw tangibly in the hearts of others. So I guess to wrap up and answer your question, preparing for being with my neighbors is an open-handed thing where I, I don't study up. I don't try and look, make sure I have all the answers or that I have this script or that I know what I'm going to say in this situation. It's more about opening my hands and saying, Lord, guide me, put me in the situation, give me the words and bring the people I'm obedient I am here. I'm showing up. Here I am. Move. Please move. I'm ready. We didn't get too far into the year 2020 before things got significantly weird. You guys aren't strangers to having to uh, be agile and deal with weird, hard situations. You lived through a hurricane that devastated the Houston area, and you were really involved in taking care of people during that time, but also when the pandemic hit, you didn't sit still. You got to work and you started finding ways to love and care for your community, even though you couldn't be with them in person. Seth, what what made you guys start your live worship times in the middle of the day on Facebook? Emily and I had slowly begun to think through as we've as we've been we've been raising up some leaders to kind of what we call spiritually healthy spiritual fathers and mothers that can lead other groups and neighborhood groups in our church like what do these leaders do what what do healthy people who are following Jesus do and they have regular rhythms of spiritual health that draw them to the father that help them listen to the spirit and they contend for God's presence in their lives. These spiritual rhythms are hundreds, if not thousands of years old that Christians have been doing for a long time. But sometimes we've lost these, you know, and we look at our spiritual rhythms as an hour on Sunday morning, rather than what, have we, what am I doing daily? What are these rhythms that I'm doing daily? And so Emma and I have been putting those into practice. That came out of love and war in Kansas City a little bit too. Well, Emily and I have been putting these in practice for a few years, and we thought, now that people are so disconnected, how can we help teach these same rhythms? That If people are interested in people of peace or interested in putting these into their rhythms into their lives, so we're like, well, let's go live on my Facebook at 1230 Central every single day and do 30 minutes of what's called Lectio Divina. It's a 
1400 year old practice of reading scripture and listening to the spirit. And um, we eventually shifted to five days a week at 1230. And then now we've created a page called Contending Patterns. So on Facebook, if you look up Contending Patterns. So we've continued went through the whole book of Acts. And I guess that's the whole reason to teach people who are looking for some grounding, looking for everyone's like, where, where's my firm place? You know, and these rhythms give us a, a engine of coming back to the Lord every day, drawing us back to his presence. And because so much is contending for our attention, yeah. whether it's never, what are we, how are we contending for what's good? Yeah. I remember at the beginning of the pandemic and things were in the part when we were in the United States, all sent home to work from home mm. and um, our kids were sent home and People were like, they couldn't find toilet paper and things were weird. And like, we were all trying to figure out what's going on. And I remember uh, seeing your faces pop up and you leading us in this time of devotion and worship and feeling a sense of calm come over me multiple times mm -hmm. as those things popped up in my day-to-day -day, um, moments. And Emily, I wonder what type of, what type of response have you guys heard from taking the time putting it out there on the internet and inviting people into a time of worship and devotion with you. Have people been responding to that? Yeah, we've gotten some personal messages of people saying, Hey, I just, I really feel like it was no accident. I was on today. I really needed to hear this or, um, or I, I think that the, that I'm being led to go back to church. There's one friend who is, said that she had really fallen away in her um, walk with the Lord and, and with her family and that conversations about God just don't happen in her home. And she joined us for, for quite a while before she went back to work. It was just really fun being in kind of a relationship with her that way. Things like that, people are saying it's really fun to work through an entire book and look at it so intimately not just in what it's saying comprehensively, but what the Lord might be saying to me at this point in my life, like the Bible is active and moving and the Lord is moving through it. It's not just this old book that has some wisdom in it. It's like, it's something that's actually moving and growing in us and the Lord is doing things through it. So yeah, it's pretty cool. You too have been very intentional in how you reach out to the communities around you and how you live out your faith in your communities, in your family, in your jobs, that this is something that's very important. If somebody was listening today and wondering how they want to put their faith into action, but they're wondering what the first steps are, how do I do that? What inspiration, motivation, words of wisdom would you speak to them in this moment? Seth, we'll start with you. This is <clears throat> sounds like a Christian-y you know, answer, but I'm serious, like 100% serious when I say pray, mm -hmm. start out. And I would encourage that per these people to be intentional about prayer, prayer journal, like write out your prayers so you can go back and, and read what you were asking God for. And then, and then go back and see, did God move in that prayer and do something. And so you can, you can start to see the ways that God is leading you, the way that he is starting to move and you can pay attention to those things. And then I would say secondarily or right alongside that 
be asking the Lord, where are places he, you are already comfortable? You don't have to make this more uncomfortable than it already is. Um, where are the places that you've already been placed? And then just be intentionally available in those places. Say, Lord, I'm going to be in this place I already am, a coffee shop every day, your work, your apartment complex, your street. And I'm going to just look for opportunities to wave to someone, to look for people of peace who are leaning toward you, you know, metaphorically or even physically. Um, you don't have to make it harder than it is. People try and like force it and it has to look like this. No, 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 no. God wants to use you right where you are. I guess that was how it started off. I'll toss it to Emily. I grew up in the church and I feel like I, I spent a lot of time hearing the rhetoric of invite five friends to church in this month and um, witness and not saying that's a bad thing, but it never felt natural to me. And I spent a lot of time thinking, how do I live out the Great Commission? How do I live out telling my telling all people about Jesus and not feeling like I'm fake or that I'm just doing something? I don't know. How do I still feel like me? What does it look like to live out the Great Commission as me? And I think that nothing really changed for me in that way until I started meeting the Lord every single day. And when, when I spend time in a practice, whether it be Lectio Divina or like Seth said, praying on my own or spending time in the word until I started doing that every day, my heart and my mind wasn't focused on the Lord. And I could go an entire week and not even think about God until I got to church on Sunday, which is fine. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I'm not trying to shame anyone here. I'm saying that I can relate to that. And, and it's, it's hard. It's a battle. But until the Lord became something, a, a relationship and my time with him became something at the forefront of my mind, it didn't feel natural to reach out to other people and tell them about him. But when he's in my mind on a daily basis, and when I'm talking to him about things that are going on, and I'm thinking about how he's moving, then it, it just kind of flows out of me. And so when I'm talking to my neighbor, then I'm like, it, it just comes up. I don't know. I mean, it just comes up. I, I can't even explain it. If, if, I, I mean, I'll say it again. When I'm sitting there with, with hands open and I'm, re and I'm saying, I'm here, Lord, then he brings those situations. You don't have to make them happen. Mm, you just yep. say, I'm here. I'm showing up. God, please work through me. I don't know how to make this work. And you cry out to him every day like that. Then he's, then all these things are just going to start happening <laughs> and people are going to start like coming to you and random conversations are going to happen. And neighbors are, are just randomly going to be like, you just see, you have this piece. Like, I want to know about it. Tell me yeah. more. Like, and then you're like, what? I didn't even make this happen. God made this happen. And I mean, he, his timing is perfect. His promises are true and he wants to work through you. And so if you have your arms open and you say, God, I'm showing up, he is going to do things. He's going to do things. He wants a willing heart. Well, it's so lovely to hear everything about what you guys are up to these days. And I know that your communities are blessed by having you in the midst of them. And I know that they are a blessing to you as well. And I thank you for sharing your stories with us today. It's been an encouragement and an inspiration. Thanks for You're having welcome. us. 
In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, we read about the importance of the community of believers. And it even comes with a word of urgency. It says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Emily and Seth have been so innovative, flexible, and creative, following the Lord's lead and how they engage with others in worship wherever they are. The world around them is impacted. People are encouraged, spurred on to consider the gospel and live it out. Lives are changed. Just like Seth and Emily, God has given you a unique community who need the gospel, who need support and encouragement. How will you be obedient in reaching them? That's Action and Ministry. Thanks for listening. I'm Rachel Legute. And be sure to pass this along to your friends and subscribe to hear more great episodes of Action in Ministry. Thank you for listening to Action in Ministry. We'd love to hear how you and your church are ministering to your community. To submit ideas for this podcast, visit our website, lhm.org forward slash action, and send us an email.